All right, welcome back to the Well Actually podcast. So we took a bit of a hiatus to address some creative differences, you know. But don't worry, nobody was fired or anything, just but some people were reassigned. So I uh, just want to give a quick heads up for the final segment of today's show. It's going to be a review of the latest episode of Game of Thrones. So if you haven't caught up yet or you're still trying to avoid stuff like that uh, you might want to avoid that part as well because it might contain spoilers well actually who, who am i kidding it's definitely going to contain spoilers in fact very in-depth spoilers and even some theories going forward so yeah uh i'll give another warning when we we're about to get to that part of the segment in case you don't want anything spoiled there uh while you're here uh please remember subscribe to the well actually podcast however you get your podcast whether it's spotify apple podcast google play uh, stitcher and don't forget the youtube channel in case you're interested in the visual aspect of the podcast and there's a bit of a visual gag for today's episode so in case you're interested in that please check out the youtube channel as well uh, so let's get to today's episode so I wanted to give a quick update on the 30 day challenge. Basically everything hurts. Uh, I miss Jello fries, I miss burgers. I haven't missed soda somehow. I know some of you might be saying, oh, you shouldn't be eating that stuff anyway. And I would like to politely tell some of you to shut the hell up, okay? I'm, I'm suffering here. I, I don't need preaching right now. I need support, okay? Support is what I need. Uh, well, it's supposed to be 30 days because that's all the days in April and I'm so happy I didn't pick a month that had 31 days I probably should have thought about this in February but whatever so just a few more days left I'm counting believe me I'm counting down the days and I'm just trying to get through it and maybe I'll share the results I don't know I haven't decided yet but there are a couple other people that are going through with it as well and from what I'm the feedback I'm getting from them is that it's going really well so that's definitely a positive. So while we're gone, a few things happened. Uh, like Tiger Woods won the Masters, uh, his fifth time winning the green jacket. And it was a really big deal because you could see how many people actually came out. Like people who are not even like casual golf fans or even novice golf fans. But that's kind of the effect that Tiger Woods has on the game of golf. And it's the kind of effect that you can't really find any other place in the world of sports where you have people just busing in by droves, trying to be part of what, what was happening at the time. And it was his 15th major overall, and he had an 11 year wait between majors, which is just unbelievable by the fact that he had fallen so far from where he was at the beginning when he was like the hottest thing in golf. And I know a lot of people are saying that this bounce back is a bit of a fall from grace in terms of like his private life going to hell. When he was found out that yeah, he was a bit of a serial cheater and just like smashing anything that walks. And I guess to an extent that also counts because golf as a sport, as opposed to any other sport, is just as much mental or cerebral as it is with the physical aspect of it. But the real part of the comeback for me is that it was the physical aspect of it because during like his time off a lot of it was uh, necessitated because of his injuries like he sustained serious injuries that required 
multiple back surgeries and not just like regular old back surgeries like the kind of surgeries that when other people have them they typically don't walk right for the rest of their lives not to talk of coming back to play professional golf at the highest level and it was one of those things where everybody just sort of had to stop and watch and even like his competitors were like rooting for him to which is something you don't see like you really don't see that much of in any area of sports and and you know me i find like the funniest parts and all these things and there was a dude who actually placed an eighty-five thousand dollar bet on tiger to win so now i just want to see what that conversation was like with his wife when it was like when he called her up after tiger won though it's like okay babe so wait hold, hold on hold, babe, hold up hold up Oh, you, you, you want to ask me about that that uh, charge on the card? Wait, hold on. I, let me explain. So I bet $85,000 on Tiger. And she's just threatening him to leave him, to divorce him, take the kids, take all. And it's like, no, but, but babe, what, haven't you been watching? Tiger won. And she's still yelling. And then she, oh, it clicked. Yeah, Tiger, Tiger did win. And then she's like, okay, so how much did we win? Not you. How much did we win? And he's like, over a million dollars. And then there's silence. And I can't really uh, predict what happened after that because it's probably something very uh, profane. But he probably should hire an attorney just in case because who knows what's going to happen there. But I don't know how you have the balls to make that kind of bet. But it, it paid off for him. And yeah, so... Now the big debate is, is Tiger back all the way? Can he catch Jack Nichols' record uh, for most majors overall? Because he's second in both number of majors and number of PGA Tour wins. So I, I'm just happy he's back because he's not necessarily like even the, the nicest dude in general, but he's become sort of a sympathetic figure to a lot of people where a lot of people can relate to the fall from grace and then the redemption story and all that. but. All we can do is watch and, and hope. So in the last episode, we did a bit of a review for the Beyonce and Netflix documentary for uh, Beachella. And I just wanted to give like a little review of it because, man, that documentary was everything and more. Like, you can, you've usually heard about like the work ethic that goes into a Beyonce performance or concert or whatever but when it's put in front of you this way with the amount of effort that was put into it the preparation the months and months of rehearsals and <laughs> the dieting in order to lose weight like she said she had no bread no carbs no sugar no dairy no meat no fish and no alcohol I'm like man i've had all of those today alone like and then she was like oh she was 218 pounds when she had the twins and she was trying to fight to get back to, into the into the right shape or to convince herself that she could still do it and I'm like man, that awkward moment when you realize that you are heavier than Beyonce was when she had twins not not me not me no I'm a friend I'm talking about a friend of mine yeah, not, not me particularly but when you see all of that and then you just realize that some people are just born to perform and but she doesn't take that for granted like she actually puts in 
the work and the way she had everybody else that was attached to the to the project she had them held them accountable and made them realize okay everything that you're doing has to be with a purpose everything has to be deliberate and then when you get to the performance itself man, it was just it was spectacular and i i probably listened to the album itself about three times back to back to back and so there were i want to say there were three moments that actually like literally gave me goosebumps so one of them was when a lot of them had to do with the actual band itself because you could tell like a lot of those band members they they knew which specific songs they were going to get to show out on so it was when she went from drunk in love to the transition from drunk in love to swag surfing and you could just tell like the the band members were like you could you could tell when you're listening that they were already swaying and then they were about to move into it and then and then the you and it was, uh, it was that part then when Kelly and Michelle came out and then you could tell the drummers were getting ready to kill that uh, lose my breath uh, drums they man it was I man it's a kind of it was a kind of project that turned a lot of people from Beyonce's overrated to like the conversation went from Beyonce's overrated to who is the greatest performer ever Beyonce or Michael Jackson like that was an actual thing and th there's there are not a lot of things that can cause that sort of turnaround and of course there are some anarchists who just threw in Chris Brown's name and they're always citing that damn front flip he did like that we're talking about gymnastics or something anyway uh and the, the one of the funny parts is that when Beyonce was like oh uh, she had the nerve to say hey Miss Carter I just wanted to see if y'all was still like sis like where are we going um, I'm at home and I'm not going anywhere so I know people at Coachella are definitely not going anywhere but yeah it was if you still somehow haven't gotten to see it I highly recommend it whether you're a fan a super fan or just someone who enjoys good music and artistry and performance and yeah I highly recommend it as well and so then it was reported that Beyonce signed a $60 million deal with Netflix uh, to produce three uh, documentaries or works for them. And I guess the Coachella one was the first one, which I guess roughly breaks out to $20 million per picture. And that's, that's, that's a major move for someone in music because I know Bruce Springsteen got some, something similar to that, about $20 million for his one night only show as well and all of you that got netflix yeah the monthly rates just went up and i guess we know how they paid beyonce all right so keeping along with the streaming theme uh disney plus announced that they're going to be launching their own streaming service uh, in november uh, november 12th to be exact and it's going to be 6.99 a month which is basically two dollars cheaper than lowest plan offered by Netflix and Amazon Prime and they actually have an, an annual subscription which is going to be $70 a year and they're the only ones that actually offer that so I know Disney has probably taken a look at everything that these other uh, streaming services have, have to offer and decided which ones they're going to keep and which ones they're going to improve on 
And in case you haven't noticed, Disney's buying up everything, which gives them like a great advantage in terms of content. Uh, like for instance, when uh, Disney Plus launches, it'll be the only place that you can stream The Simpsons. That's 30 seasons of content already. And that's, they, they got The Simpsons because Disney acquired 21st Century Fox uh, earlier this year. And Disney's also gonna have 5,000 episodes of your favorite Disney Channel shows, which is like, I'm sure like them, iCarly or Lizzie McGuire, whatever, I don't really know a lot of Disney shows, but a lot of the shows that were on that channel, they're gonna be rolling them out on that platform. And what they also said was within a year of the launch of the, within a year of the launch, the company plans on adding up to 500 movies and 2,500 more TV episodes. So whatever, whatever you think you might have with Netflix or Hulu, Amazon, whatever uh, streaming service you use, Disney is just deciding that they're going to come in and disrupt everything. And they're committing a billion dollars with the B, that's a B, to original programming. And they're actually aiming for 90 million subscribers within the first year. And to me, that's really ambitious because Right now, I think Amazon has just under 150 million subscribers. So, but then again, Amazon, uh, Netflix was starting from scratch, but Disney already has like a built-in like audience with, when you consider the Disney Channel, when you consider all the movies that they're gonna have as well. So it's the same place that you'll be able to watch every Pixar movie, every Star Wars, yes, they acquired the rights to Star Wars, every Marvel movie, and classic animated movies like The Lion King. So at first you might think that the plans that they're making are very ambitious, or maybe even too ambitious, but man, when you, when you realize the catalog that they have at their disposal, I feel like maybe some of these estimates might even be a bit conservative. So they've decided that they're gonna they're gonna enter this this arena and try to make it as as tough for everybody else to compete as possible. And it kind of makes sense as to how a lot of the Marvel shows that were on Netflix also either ended or got canceled. Because what's the point of having your product on another streaming service when you're about to launch your own? And they're going to be, like I said, a lot of original programming in terms of even some programming in between or that bridge, the gap between two of the Star Wars movies and even some standalone series involving some of the Marvel characters. Like there's supposed to be a Winter Soldier and Hawkeye movie together and one with Wanda and Vision. So it's just a lot of, a lot of material that they get to work from. And they even claim that these Marvel uh, products are gonna have an impact on what occurs in the movies. Now, I'm not sure how they're going to pull that off, but if there's anybody who can, it's going to be Disney. And speaking of a Disney property, Avengers Endgame. Yeah, so it comes out this week, and it's the 22nd movie in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And it's going to signify the end of Phase 3. So if you're watching this on YouTube, you see I'm wearing my Marvel shirt, which is Black Panther with his claws over Captain America's shield. And first of all, I want 
it's going to be nearly impossible to get through the weekend without seeing spoilers so i don't know how people are going to do it but even you people that are like posting like don't you, don't you have home training like no no i'm no listen listen to me like wh- what is your problem like just weeps like how are you walking out of the theater and you're ready to like have have some manners just some manners please eh? just some manners let the rest of us watch it and i like some some of the reading i've done like i i couldn't help myself but it's surprising that they rumored that there's no post-credit scene some people have confirmed it, others don't even want to say. But as for me, even though it's a three hour plus movie, I'm not leaving until the next movie starts in that theater. So uh, there's supposed to be like even an audio cue, I guess, which is supposed to be a hint towards the next phase in the Marvel Universe. So if you are inclined to wait for, uh, I don't know, to, to experience that for yourself, be my guest. But, According to reports, there is no post-credit scene, and I don't, I don't totally believe it. But man, after three three hours plus, some people might just want to go home and take a nap or just run straight to the bathroom. So I wanted to bring up uh, one of these strange stories that I just came across, and it was a little boy who called nine one one because his grandparents were sleeping and he wanted McDonald's. So he told the dispatcher to please bring McDonald's. And surely enough, a police officer showed up at his house with McDonald's. And before you ask, yes, he was. And the police officer, yes, he was as well. And I guess the news just turned into this heartwarming thing about this nice police officer going above and beyond the call of duty and explaining what 911 really is and all that and it just reminded me of (laughs) the time well i know i'm not alone in this but it was the time that i actually called 911 because i got my i think the statute of limitation is done on this so i called 911 because i got my ass whooped and the, the police actually showed up at my house and they asked my mom like oh what what happened here and she was like nothing i don't know what you're talking about and they I, th- this is how the story was relayed to me and they asked me like oh what happened and i guess i saw the look that i got from my mom I'm like oh nothing was happening here i i was just upset about something and they're like oh okay and then they left so yeah <laughs> the whooping that I got after that, the sequel. You know how sometimes the sequel doesn't live up to the hype of the beat of the first one. No, the sequel surpassed, like it surpassed the first one, like plenty. And then she handed me the phone, like, if they're born, you will call the cops again. So needless to say, there was no part three. Okay, and I, it, like, that that story just made me remember. What what so what something stupid that I really did? I don't think have I I don't think I've called nine one one since then because yeah those flashbacks they never leave you really. Anyway, so we'll take a short break and then we'll be right back. All right, so like I said at the beginning of the episode, uh, we're going to be doing a bit of a Game of Thrones review here. So 
if you haven't seen the first two episodes of the Game of Thrones, well, season eight of Game of Thrones, I guess this is when you might want to stop listening. Just want to remind you to please subscribe to the Well Actually podcast, however you get your podcasts, whether it's on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play. And of course, don't forget the YouTube page. And if you don't have subscriptions with any of those devices, you can also go on thewellactuallypod.com and you can get everything there as well. So, this was supposed to start last week with the premiere, but like I said, creative differences occurred and now we're doing episodes one and two together. And for episode one, I just want to say it felt like such a big reunion, like for the characters, for us, the viewers as well. I mean, after all, we waited like almost what 700 days to see these people. So, yeah, it was a lot of characters that hadn't seen each other since like some of the earlier seasons. But the thing about this reunion was it was one of those family reunions where where everyone just ends up knocking. Like it was just it's like okay you're related well sex for you oh you sex here too and like chill like bruh it's just just everyone just gonna everyone's just gonna keep having sex like okay just hello then sex like i guess that's how they got down back then but it was it was a nice reintroduction to a lot of the characters because we know everything is coming to an end so they wanted to like get you familiarized with a lot of them in case you didn't binge right before the new season started but then something really stuck out to me like what the hell is up with the dragons like okay when danny and Jon snow got on the dragons i don't feel like they were the ones controlling where they were going to end up so it means the dragons were the ones that took them specifically to that little hiding spot so that they could get it on and i don't know about you but i don't think i'd be comfortable with dragons watching me have sex that's that's just me personally so were, were they like trying to be facilitators there or did they just know that Daenerys wanted to have sex or I you know I the more I think about it the more confused I am and the more disturbed I am so I'm just I'm just gonna I'm just gonna power through and move on from that but episode two whew, that's when they turned up the feels like that's when it's like they were trying to make every character so relatable and even likable to an extent. And like when Jamie uh, stood in front of Daenerys and the rest of the, I guess you would call it the council. And he's like, I did what I had to do. And yeah, it was. <laughs> but is it just me or is Bran just saying like weirder and weirder shit each episode? Like, dude, what is your deal? Like, <laughs> and he says it in like the most monotone voice. Like, and you're not even sure. Like, is everything okay with this kid? Like, are we going to need subtitles with him or at least a translator? Because when they were asking what the Night King wanted, he could have just said the Night King wants to kill everybody. Like, no, wants everything to be forgotten or something. Like, like dude. Like, he needed uh, Sam to translate that whole thing for him and give it some context. But everybody else is like, what is this boy talking about? But anyway, so something else that s- stood out to me in the episode was when everyone kept saying, don't worry, the crypt is going to be the safest place. Go to the crypt, you'll be safe. 
and if game of thrones had a narrator every time said that every time somebody said that they would be like no they were not safe there and like why why do they think they why does everyone keep foreshadowing to the point oh the crypt i guess it means the crypt is going to be like very pivotal in the episode because they got like they got kids going there they got a whole bunch of people going there that are supposed to be important or who are supposed to feel safe and if you've seen a second of game of thrones it's like honestly nowhere is safe nobody is safe and i guess the episode they wanted us to see everyone at peace or as close to peace as possible because we're inevitably inevitably going to say goodbye to some or probably most of them and the scene that really i guess a lot of people are really drawn to is when brienne got knighted and at first she she said that she didn't even think about knighthood because it wasn't important to her and i know a lot of people drew the same conclusion where you you might have resisted or convinced yourself that something isn't important to you because it has been said that you simply aren't qualified or you've been excluded from it even though you have the qualifications and when she actually got that validation that she probably didn't even know she was seeking it just made her and everybody around very emotional and it was one of those touching scenes where it was like okay yeah get all the feels in and now probably everybody or most of the people in this room are going to die and I, my theory is that Brienne she sort of just got like her send off there where it's like okay everybody uh, clap for her okay we won't be seeing her much longer but on the other end of the spectrum where it was like all these happy feels Arya is just a surgeon because she walked in there clowning dude until she realized he was Robert Baratheon's heir and she just dropped the bow she was carrying and next thing you know she started asking for his body count and then taking off her gloves next <laughs> next thing you know like they were on top of each other inside each other and it was it was surgical because she was like hey everybody else is playing checkers but if those ones don't survive he's gonna be king and then what whatever's happening she just wanted to be part of the action and Arya does not waste time she like she i guess she collects bodies in more ways than one and it was <laughs> it was just it was just so interesting to you could actually like see the light bulb go off in her head when he was explaining to it and he just said that as like a throwaway line Arya's like nah boy things are gonna happen and then finally <laughs> when Jon snow is looking at the stark family crypt i guess it was where they were looking at and he tells Danny that he's Aegon Targaryen. And her first thought, her very first thought is, oh, you have a legitimate claim to the throne. Not, I've just been banging my nephew. No, 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 no. Daenerys is like, oh, I'm not going to be the ruler of the Seven Kingdoms anymore. I'm like, what, what, is, what is wrong with you people? Huh? What, what is wrong with all of you? So, so, Somebody needs to sit you up, but you know, you know what, never mind, just, they have a lot of things in their mind, and I, 
I guess incest doesn't rank high on the list or whatever. But anyway, looking forward to episode three called Battle of Winterfell. And it's going to be 80 minutes long. Okay? So just think about that for a second. 80 minutes long for one episode. And it's set to feature the longest consecutive battle sequence in cinema and TV history. So that... (laughs) Think about that for a second. I think at this moment, the longest scene was... It's probably like 40 minutes. I think it was from uh, The Lord of the Rings. I think it was Two Towers or maybe it was Return of the King. And it's going to surpass that significantly. So (laughs) it's going to be a lot of clanging and banging of swords and staffs and bones and skulls. And I don't know if y'all are ready for that, but we're going to be back here next week talking about that. Assuming there are no other creative differences. But yeah, there's a lot to, there's a lot that still needs to be seen to and remember it's only six episodes this season so by the end of that battle we'll be halfway through the season and i'm really looking forward to what else is going to go on there so anyway uh this is the end of this episode and i want to thank you all for joining me uh hopefully we'll be able to do this again next week and again if you'd like to talk back to the show you can reach out to us on twitter facebook and instagram And please uh, let us know if you have any suggestions, comments, or if you have questions. And don't forget to subscribe to The Well Actually Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And you can visit thewellactuallypod.com. You can see all the videos and the podcast itself there as well. We'll see you next week.